0: We certainly do value your views and thank you so much for engaging with us this morning. We will, um, you know, take more of your action. Let's get into our conversation. Now, several countries, including the United States, UK, Germany, yesterday announcing that they're suspending funding to the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, also known as the UNRWA, after Israel accused some of its staff of being involved in the Hamas October 7 attacks. Philippe Lazarino, the head of the agency, has described the decision as shocking, saying that... Cutting a lifeline to 2 million people in Gaza is collective punishment. Now, this comes amid intensified bombings in, in Gaza, even as the International Court of Justice on Friday ordered Israel to take steps to prevent acts of genocide. Now, in a Sunday morning discussion, we're looking at this and explore how the ruling might affect Israel's, uh, you, you know, this Hamas-Israel war and whether Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's government will heed the court's ruling. Let's now speak to Atelier Ana head of the Special Projects at the Institute for Security Studies, advocate Sipomandula, researcher at the Tabombeke School of Public and International Affairs. Also joining us is Professor Chris Lansberg, director of the Centre of African Diplomacy and Leadership at the University of Johannesburg. Let me thank you all for your time this morning. I'll start with you, Otelia. Um, w- w- you know, since Friday, there is a view from some who are saying that the court's decision did not go far enough. The provisional measures should have been very clear that there must be a ceasefire Others are saying that, in fact, what the court has done it puts Israel in a corner, nonetheless. But I wonder, looking at what we've seen unfold in terms of the bombardments and the situation on the ground, did the court far, go far enough for you? Um, again, thank you so much
1: for for having all of us. So the the court went as far as it could, uh, to be honest. Um, not least in um, in stating beyond just saying. Uh, Israel needs to ensure that its military operations don't uh, continue to negatively impact uh, civilians. It also uh, ordered a, a return rather to humanitarian uh, uh, assistance or, or a ramp up of humanitarian assistance. And then also for Israel to report on uh, any changes to ensure that uh, this war does not escalate. Now, I think it's important to put the events over the past couple of days also into their proper context. Of course, yes, there was the uh, order from the International Court of Justice. But over the past month, uh, Israel has been ramping up its onslaught uh, and its attacks, uh, uh, particularly in Gaza, but then also in neighboring regions, including in the West Bank, including in Lebanon uh, uh, as well. So it's not so much that I would directly link the ICJ decision to to the actions on the ground by Israel, but to say that it hasn't been uh, relenting. Mm. Now, what happens next, which is more about beyond the International Court of Justice decision, looking now to the UN Security Council. And I want us... Sorry, uh, sorry Otelia.
0: Pardon me, pardon me. I want us to get into that, you know, because we will get there, because I really want to look at the composition of the Security Council. What happens? Can we see the Security Council contend with this? Like we've seen, um, you know, them talk about this issue, but we know how it ended up in terms of the resolutions. But let me first, before we even get to the... Security Council, Engage, um, Professor Lansberg-Prof. You know, one of the views that has been there is is that by some who are saying that, but while the court has not said, um, you know, there must be a ceasefire, the fact that there must be measures that are taken to ensure that, that what we are seeing on the ground is not to be seen and the civilians must be protected, others are saying, how do you begin to ensure doing that? Without tenuous, you know, bombardment. If you stop that, then you would be able to protect the people on the ground. I wonder if you agree with some who are reading it in that context.
2: Yeah, look, um, you've you, you've said two things um, e- essentially. I cannot see Israel continuing with the bombardment, which they will, because there was no order for them to enforce a ceasefire, or all sides to uh, enforce a ceasefire. The idea of a ceasefire was not expressed. I cannot see how Israel will continue to, quote-unquote, go after the terrorist enemy, uh, and at the same time stop civilians, which they claim they've tried to do from the 8th of October, the day after... The attack on the on the kibbutz. I'm afraid to say to you that um, my reading is that 30 days from Friday, when the court issued that Israel will report, Israel is simply going to say, "We try to do that, but nothing between Friday and today give me the impression that Israel is careful, that Israel is instructing the IDF members." not to go after civilians, not to go after infrastructural targets, um, t- targets of uh, society. Um, so um, th- that for me is the unfortunate thing of the ruling, but the court stuck to the mandate uh, that what, what was given to it. The one political question we have to ask, and we already, already saw the Ugandan... Um, a government reacting, and I don't think they're going to be the only one reacting to their judge. I've been very clear from the word go when I did an interview that these are political appointees. These judges, or, or although they are judges in their own right, they are appoint—they are political appointees, um, and I think more judges are going to fall uh, by the wayside.
0: And uh, Professor Mandula, do you agree with that, especially looking at what we've seen, um, you know, become the, the, the reaction to, you know, the decisions by Judge Sebatinde.
3: Refreshment uh, on you and even to my guest. I, I think when you look at the issue of Ugandan Judge Julia Sebatinde, it has also caused a shock to many African countries, particularly after the uh, non-alignment movement uh, was in uh, Kampala, coming out very clear with their stance, on the cessation of hostilities in this conflict. But I think for the African continent, there are lessons learned that Africa has to also take into task uh, its role in the international uh, court of justice, in the international criminal justice system, to strengthen their own also, uh, looking at how do we even influence uh, such uh, outcomes. And it is important also to note that uh, this judgment also quoted one of the precedent cases that was brought by Gambia it is important that Africa has been consistent in dealing with the uh, what you can call the rogue elements within the international uh, community and being a settler colonial state of Israel that has been undermining the U.N., General Assembly, undermining many resolutions. I think for this court order, it won't be normal like any other resolution they've been undermining. They should now stick to the gun of understanding that there were African judges who were part of the panel. Having our own also, the former D.C., Dikangu Hamuseneke, it's also interesting that we are able to influence the jurisprudence of the international court. Because that is what is important also. How do we change the narrative of... The, of even definition of genocidal acts from 1948 until 2024.
0: All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll go straight to Ottilia's point, especially when she talks about what happens now within the UN Security Council, because that's also part of the critical discussion. And looking at it um, in the context of the developments, even with the you know the the, the the UNRWA, for example, where now we're seeing quite a lot of issues there with funding, especially because Israel is accusing some of its own workers of also being having a hand in what we saw on October 7th. We'll talk about that when we come back.
2: On SAFM. All
0: right, let's continue with our conversation now this morning. Ottilia, let me come back to you and let's talk about that point that we ended off there with, especially because a lot of people are now turning their attention towards what happens in the UN Security Council.
1: So specific to the UN Security Council, immediately after the International Court of Justice Uh, uh, handed down its order, that order has to be transmitted to the UN Security Council. And that's really for uh, enforcement, for implementation, but then also for follow-on. Now, what can also happen is should Israel, as uh, uh, both um, uh, Sipo has alluded to, should Israel not abide by the International Court of Justice uh, order. South Africa, for example, can then uh, bring this matter to the international court, uh, to, to the UN Security Council or any member state of the, Geneva, uh, of the genocide convention to say, look, in terms of the UN Charter, um, Israel has now breached uh, this order, particularly on the provisional measures, and the impact uh, is dire. Then the UN Security Council has to vote on that. But what we have seen since October is that uh, of the 15 member states, one, the United States, which is a permanent member of um, the UN Security Council, has effectively been vetoing any decision that relates to the possibility of a ceasefire. Now, of course, um, uh, the situation is a little bit different now with an ICJ order because member states are meant to uh, enforce and implement that decision. So it's, it's really a wait and see whether the U.S. will move back from its strong stance. Of course, there have been other issues that have come up. You spoke to um, the, the UNRWA decisions where a number of countries, including the U.S., have indicated that they are going to um, either stop funding uh, UNRWA or hold back on their funding. At the same time, you've seen countries like Norway, like Ireland reaffirmed their support uh, of UNRWA. And uh, on the side of those uh, reaffirming their support, they're saying if indeed 12 people among the staff, over 30,000 of UNRWA, um, did act uh, together with Hamas, then you mustn't punish first all of UNRWA, but importantly that you mustn't punish who benefits from UNRWA's actions. And Mm. those who benefit are Palestinian people both in Myanmar but also in the in the far uh, in the near Middle East mm. as well
0: Professor Landsberg, um you know there's mm. been a view by some who say that this particular case what it has done it has also kind of consolidated international opinion on what is happening in in, in, in Gaza and you know drawn the gravity of the attention of the world towards the situation but do you think right now, that those allies of Israel who've been also, um, you know, you think about the United States, for example, supporting, aiding Israel, are going to be having some tough discussions with themselves? Or are we still going to see more of the same?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you make the last point uh, that you're making and you're asking the last question, because you started by saying there's a view that it's consolidated view, um, views on Israel. How I would put it is the following, mm. that uh, not only did we have more than 20 countries openly siding with the South African view, in other words, the view that there were signs and acts of, of, of genocide, there were genocidal actions on the part of Israel, more than 20 Um, uh, countries uh, did that right so uh, from that point of view i agree with you there's a consolidation of view there's also uh, opinion outside the court public opinion that has really rallied against western powers and those who, who, who who were reluctant to go for um a ceasefire but it's your second point for me that is the interesting one the divisions, and, and I said this um, uh, in an interview yesterday on a number of occasions, and this is not about who said what, when. That's not the point I'm trying to make. But for me, it is not a surprise that the divisions amongst the Western powers are becoming so open that in the in the next few weeks, Uh, We're going to see cracks even amongst NATO members. A country like like Belgium, right, is is really going to be hurled over the coals for having gone its way. Germany, of all countries, that was openly siding with Israel. Germany has now appealed to Israel and said, please, we we plead with you to adhere to the outcomes uh, of the court. What does Israel do in the meantime? Israel puts overnight a gag, an order banning all ministers from coming on this ICJ uh, ruling for two reasons. For two reasons. They know they are angry with the decision, but the more they're going to speak out against it, the more they're going to do what the judge said they should not do. Stop making these uh, genocidal-type actions like um uh it's better to kill the Palestinians you might as well destroy all the infrastructure don't give them water don't give them food and so on so even in the is Israeli government there are so much divisions that I'm willing to put my head out and say to you I don't think president Netanyahu is going to survive um uh, what happened here so in a nutshell what I'm trying to say to you while opinion in favor of the outcome uh, by the court uh, affirming that there appeared to be evidence of potential genocide on the part of Israel, and they should stop it, including controlling members of the IDF who are the ones perpetrating this, uh, um, and encouraged by ministers, and then sh- they should stop that. What it has done, it is actually split israel's decisions the one member though that i can tell you is going to surprise us uh, as my colleague said uh, just just before this that uh, america is going to dig in his heels america is going to sharpen his political and uh and 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 diplomatic sword it's going to go after those uh, who support this but this thing has has caused in short it's caused Skirmishes and schisms amongst uh, the supporters of Israel, for for this one simple reason: that America now itself faces the prospect of some countries and certainly mm. non-state actors taking it to the court for being complicit yeah. in genocidal action. And the one thing the Western powers never ever thought would happen, certainly not overnight. Uh, the way it happened uh, uh, thanks to South Africa's actions, is that they will ever be accused of crimes against humanity, whether they topple governments or not and cause war or not. Sure.
0: Um, and as we talk about that, Advocate Mandula, when we come back from the break, I want us to talk about what does this, all of this mean for us now as Africans, particularly looking at what is happening around us. What conversations do we have as Africans about what we are seeing in Sudan, for example, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and what is Mm -hmm. happening around the region. But I want us to talk about that after the break. In fact, this quick comment by Madiba Nebushia. Look, good morning. Unfortunately, U.S. supports Israel at all costs and sometimes undermines U.N. decisions. Those are some of your comments there. Let's take a short break. When we come back, Advocate Mandula, I'm coming back to you.
1: Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View.
0: All right let's uh, round up of uh, let's round up our discussion in fact it's been an it's an interesting time if you think about geopolitics and also what international law is you know experiencing right now so quite an interesting time in the world but advocate mandula let me come back to you because one of the things that you know has also been called upon by some they say that it's now time um, you know, for Africa to start having its own conversations as well, um, you know, about what is happening around the continent. And that is something that they say the ICJ matter has actually, you know, kind of amplified that we now look need to look deeper into what's happening in the DRC, in Sudan, for example.
3: No, definitely. You know, since Bongo, one has to understand that even with this ICJ ruling, what we have picked up, as you were saying earlier, we have seen tensions also among European countries. You can remember the case study of Germany, uh, and uh, n- n- uh, our neighboring country in Sadek uh, and also you will understand that the crisis that is in Sudan also DRC, it has been part of the UN Security Council, the Rwanda genocide of 1994 was part of the UN Security Council mess also but I think for the African continent it it is to say that Yes, we are mindful of the global conflicts, but we have our own challenges that we are facing. But we cannot only rely on the international rule-based system. We need to strengthen our African Court of Justice, our African human rights system that is in Gambia. So that's where you'll find that there is that sense of, of thirst to say, but let's also not uh, over-focus ourselves with the global conflicts and look within our own borders, our own Countries that are still struggling, like Sudan is going on a 10th month on a conflict. The Eastern DRC has been having those challenges. But the route that we are taking is not only a military option. It has to be a legal option, diplomatic option. And as you said, the ICJ, for me, I see a marriage of understanding between international law and international relations. And the gambling that comes out of foreign policies, as Chris said earlier, that the foreign policies also come to play here when you're dealing with international law. But I think Africa also has a voice to raise its concern on its own matters.
1: Uh, You agree, Otelia, or your thoughts Uh, on that? Right. No, no, I do agree. And I I can't stress the importance of strengthening uh, both African and international institutions. I did want to take a small step back, though, to say... At the moment, uh, the U.N. Security Council has dealt mostly with African issues. So whether it is what is happening in Sudan or the context in the Sahel, in Mali, Burkina Faso, in Niger, or in the DRC, um, and many other contexts over the years. So the majority of the discussions have focused on what is going on in Africa. Now, in taking ownership of international processes, I think there's also um, a, a, a need to take stronger ownership of African processes, African institutions, and that means enabling African institutions as well. While we do have an African Court of Human and People's Rights, it still has not had the the full um, uh, ability to deal with other state-to-state disputes that are not just human rights focused, nor has the mandate to deal with criminal prosecutions been activated because countries have not ratified these instruments. So I think we can talk about the importance of accountability in Africa, in the rest of the world, but in order for us to give effect to that, to give life to what we are talking about, we do have to strengthen our own institutions, at continental, at regional, but importantly also at national level. Um, If if what we are saying is, regardless of where crimes are committed, be they those that that reach to the level of genocide or not, that we are saying this must not happen. There can't be a space that is safe for criminals. We need to be protecting the, the integrity and the human dignity of all people. Then we have to lend support, tangible support beyond just words, financial, human resources and otherwise to our institutions.
0: Let me thank you all for your time this morning. I certainly wish we could continue. All three of you have given us insights that are really causing us to think, to pause and to reflect on the way forward and what happens now, what should happen now. And also how then to begin to contextualize what we're seeing in this moment in the context of Africa and what happens in the world. But let me thank you all for, you know, waking up with us this morning and sharing your insight. That was Otelia Ana Maunganidze, head of special projects at the Institute for Security Studies. Advocate Zipomandula, Mandula, researcher at the Tabombeki School of Public and International Affairs. Also joining us for the conversation was Professor Chris Landsberg, Director of the Center for African Diplomacy and Leadership at the University of Johannesburg. Thank you so much also for tuning in and engaging with us, South Africa. We do appreciate it. Let's meet again next Sunday. Nomalizo Mandela is standing by from me and the team. Have a blessed Sunday. God bless.